Everybody, it's Friday, November 20th, and welcome to Quick Save, the saving content podcast. I'm Evan Rowe. With me today is founder and editor in chief of SavingContent.com, Scott Ellison. Scott, how are you doing, man? I am doing great. Thanks for having Excellent. me. Excellent. <laughs> hey, thanks for being here on your website's podcast. I mean, I just I didn't think I would make it. I didn't think I would ever get invited. Well, okay, I get that, but you know, we're willing to put past things aside. Okay. And extend Fresh a really start. gracious invite. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're just Great. we're doing it we're doing it new. It's fine. Hey, speaking of doing things new, this is the first episode of Quicksave. Yeah. And it's not it's the first uh podcast that we've had in over seven years. Right. I was gonna say not to be confused with <laughs> the first podcast from Saving Content, because it is not that. But this no. is the first episode of the new podcast from Saving Content. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> and it's not like well, a like a fixed up like old condo from the 1930s. This is fresh. This is brand new, never before off the lot kind of thing. Zero miles. That's right. Brand new construction, customized to your taste. You picked the finishes. And I also picked the idea to change metaphors from cars to houses. <laughs> <laughs> yes you did that was not put into your head or forced upon you whatsoever <laughs> god what are we doing what are we doing oh man uh we're having fun that's what we're doing well we'd better be or else what's even the point exactly <sighs> all right well i guess we should actually get down to business and, and start podcasting like real people with- oh yeah with microphones and you know recordings going and whatever um and all all those things what (laughs) it's fine i'm still here it's a minor minor disconnect um (laughs) uh what have you been playing lately scott uh kind of a lot of stuff it's been it's that time of year if you know what i mean I do know what you mean. It's the season. It is the season of games. The it's really festival, season. The festival of games, as they call it. <laughs> no yep, that's it what that. they. That's that's well, what everyone Steam calls it. Well, Steam actually does have a festival thing, but that's not what I'm I'm saying here. Yeah, ooh, uh, games can get you. It is it is it is October, November, December time where games are just coming out at a feverish pace, and like. It, it's almost too much. It is really almost too much. You could say that again. Uh, but to, to the specifics, um, I've been playing a lot of good stuff, uh, but I've been also been playing not so good stuff. Oh, no. All right. Well, well start us off with something. Oh, what are you well, playing that's good? Uh, all right. So for good, it's, it's going to be the Falconeer. Um, I didn't quite know what I was getting with this game. Uh, I, uh-huh. the thing with trailers is like, you really only see a fraction of what it's really going to be. And so I knew that in seeing these trailers for Falconeer, it was going to be a shooter of some kind. What I didn't anticipate what it was that it was going to be a, a formula of Panzer Dragoon 
meets Crimson Skies. Interesting. Uh, really open uh, world uh, in the in the sense that like you're not held by the hand for any part of it. So you can just kind of roam around or you can land at specific outposts to take on missions and then go do those things, uh, which is just, you know, kind of fairly standard stuff in, in kind of the most disappointing way about it. You know, escort missions, retrieval things, delivery of cargo, or just like straight up like Merkin dudes. And <laughs> straight up Mercs. Straight up Mercs. And uh, it's that's kind of like the weaker part of the game, but it is just so beautiful. Uh, I'm playing on PC. It's it's also on Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S. Uh, that's but a on P- yeah, uh, but it's it's super beautiful. It is uh, frame rate capped to 120 on PC, but that is just I think an extension of the limitations of what the Xbox consoles are gonna do. So. I I don't know I don't know why it wasn't lifted for the PC, but I, I can understand. That's so weird. Do you know what engine it's it's uh it's written in? I believe Unity 3D. Uh, okay, yeah. Unity does some stuff like that, I think. Yeah. Uh super beautiful. Uh I I I've said that like three times now, but I really <laughs> mean it because it is like it's a world completely covered in water with the exception of like these craggy rocks and like these man-made outposts and like uh, castles and things that have been built uh, on top of them, but it's all ocean and you don't quite get like the sea of thieves, like ultra realistic water that tech that that game has, but it does some really just good mood setting because there's times where, you will come into a thunderstorm and that has like a gameplay aspect of it where you kind of, you get overcharged by getting struck by lightning and that makes your attacks stronger. But just from a mood setting point of view, like just the skies get dark, the clouds come in and like the, the water hits or moves a lot harder. And it's just a really cool look even though it's not like ultra realistic it's it's very artsy um but it's just really fun it's it's the kind of game that you go into and just kind of turn your brain off and just kind of relax even though the combat is where like you can't relax it's just really fun to just kind of dive into that world and do what you want play as many missions as you'd like i spent several hours just roaming the map because it does the whole fog of war thing. So I, I flew around and uncovered sections of the map. Like there's these shrines to find, which those have benefits of like being able to buy certain items from the shop. Uh, and by going to the shop, you're purchasing like one time buffs or you're purchasing upgrades to existing weapons, buying armor, things like that, but some things are kind of gated by these shrines or things that you haven't visited yet. Uh, And weirdly enough, there's underwater areas that you can go. And the game is called The Falconeer. You are a person riding a falcon, but you can also go underwater. And As in, like, hang on, as in, like, Falcor style? Yeah, yeah. Like, never-ending story? Yes. Okay, all right, all right, all right. But I don't know. There's kind of some weirdness to it. Like, I kind of wish you were just the Falcon who could shoot. Sure. 
that, because that checks out. I, I don't know, man. Like, the, I kind of don't well, like it, the fact it, that you are like enslaving. All right. Anyway, it, important question. Are you a tiny human or is it a gigantic falcon? That has not been revealed. Mm, so gotta... it is open to interpretation, I would say. <laughs> what if it's not... Look, what if the player character is not forcing the falcon to do the, these things? What if they are friends and they have a shared cause? Like, does that... Does that, that could, work that could better? change things, yeah. That okay, works better okay. for my psyche. Because, like, if the game doesn't explicitly say, like, you are yoking this falcon <laughs> and you are controlling its destiny and completely ruining its life and making its choices for you, then I, I think you're probably fine. It's also open to interpretation. But my interpretation was that, like, I don't know, that, that the uh, the relationship was not one-to-one. Okay. No, I get that. But it's, it's super cool. Like, uh, from... Having only played it on PC, it's a really cool PC game. Uh, nice. But if, if you're getting an Xbox, if you're specifically getting like an Xbox Series X where you can take advantage of 4K at 120, this is a game that while it doesn't like have every bit of look of next gen, the, the artistry of the game, the soundtrack of the game those elements do do feel next gen. And so if if you're finding that the Xbox is kind of light on first party stuff, this is kind of the closest thing you'll get because it is only Xbox and PC. So I would definitely recommend that. I do have a review and, on the site. So nice. there's, Did there's they more confirm, to Is it confirmed that it runs at 120 frames at 4K on the Xbox? Yeah. Yeah. Are you 4K 120? Are you serious? Yeah. That's amazing. That must look incredible. Yeah, and that, like that's the thing is I I've got a twenty seven inch monitor which is like no slouch of you know screen space, but on a much bigger TV at that like high of a resolution at that high of a frame rate has to look incredible, and I I am kind of bummed in a, in a way that I'm not able to see it that way. Yeah, that would be that would be an experience. I know like when I was reviewing Ori two earlier this year. Uh, and I was specifically checking out like the differences between the Xbox One X and the PC releases, and like you know, you know taking my save back and forth between platforms. Um, one of the things that I was really wowed by on the Xbox release was, uh, even though the PC performed noticeably better, more consistently, um, that game, like games that run well at 4K, look incredible on 4K TVs. Like it's just it's kind of like a thing you can't compete with on some level for mm -hmm. all the performance in the world. Like if you even get, can you just get a stable 60 at 4k? It's like, that's a, it is a different experience. Is that, is that what Ori two did on the one X 4k? 60? Uh, well, so that's a good question. I was playing it on my 4k TV. I don't know if it was native 4k or if it upscaled. I, I want to say it was native. Uh, I can check that. But anyway, what else, while I'm looking into that, sure. do you have any other thoughts on the Falconeer? Uh, no other thoughts. I, I mean, like I, like I said, I wrote a review on it. So, I mean, I think that's worth reading to kind of get a better understanding of like how all the systems come into play and like why to me it, it does feel like a next gen game or I, shit, it's like current gen now, right? Like 
We can't, how do you can't even, really say how do you even show? characterize this anymore. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we the the new generation is here. Like it is is it is in the present. They are. I mean, yes, there are other countries waiting for their console to release, but I mean, the generation has begun. Man. So I I think it is fair, uh, and the credit should be due that this is current gen. So Series X, PS Five is current gen. Yes, that's fair because we're we're in this world now. The consoles are out. The generation is is like it's not pending. It's not looming. It's upon us. So that's a that's another weird thing. But that's like what is like these things exist alongside the half step systems from three years ago. Yeah, and. Obviously, the generational leaps in the PS5 and the Xbox series fill in the blank are um, like they're really evident. Like it's obvious how much of a massive step forward they are over even the half step consoles, let alone the original launch models. Yeah. But like this is maybe the first time where we've seen like there's been cross generational game releases around new console launches before, right? Like that, that's not a new thing. No, you, know, you would see games come out on the PS three and the PS four or the Xbox Three Sixty and the Xbox one. And like, there would be overlap for like six, eight, 12 months. Um, but this is a totally different take where now you're seeing games that are going to continue to be released for both of those generations for a longer tail. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and now you got this cool thing where if you buy, the previous generation version like you're getting this free upgrade it's not for every single game but a majority are right. supporting it and that's going to be a thing for probably i don't know maybe the rest of the year maybe a little in, or into next year but that that will eventually go away right yeah it's 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 days are numbered i'm sure but it does make me wonder like as the hardware in these consoles becomes more and more akin to what you get in a pc right obviously it's still more streamlined and it's still more purpose-built um, you know, you, you like the architecture differences aren't changing from generation to generation. Like, especially if you look at last gen, uh, where it's, you know, AMD's tech powering the CPUs and GPUs of both major platforms. And then the next revolution of their tech again, powering the next setup, like backwards compatibility on the PS five and the Xbox series, let's say X, um, is is like out the gate it's already way better than things started off last gen right because they're not reinventing the wheel so it actually becomes way less expensive and a better value proposition for developers to keep supporting multiple generations right because like now i mean obviously there's there's it's not that uh simple but i would have to imagine it's significantly less uh of of a resource impact to do that now so maybe maybe we will see a longer tail on support of the previous gen, I wonder. Yeah, I mean, you also have to factor in, you know, I'm kind of stepping back on what I just said, but really, I, the more <laughs> I think about it, like, the availability of both of these consoles uh, is not great. So the people that right. even want or can upgrade aren't really able to. And the ones that just can't right now are going to be sitting on that older generation and they're going to want to play the new stuff. And if, yeah. as long as those people are willing to buy it, then it does make sense for the developers to continue the older platform for a little bit more. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that's, that's been the story of the season really, but oh, yeah. uh, we'll spend some time talking about that later. Uh, so yeah, so I've played uh, like, I feel like the things I'm going to talk about 
the next two games are declining in quality, but I do want to talk about Rune 2. Uh, this is probably a game no one even really knows about. Uh, I don't know about it. So it is a sequel to a game that came out 19 years ago. Sure. Uh, there's like this whole thing, and I, I actually do want to get into it. Um, so the game is solid. It's not great. It's not bad. It's just, it is, it is really solid, but here's why. Okay. So what happened was a year ago, this game comes out. It's exclusive to Epic game store. That's not the story. The story (laughs) is, uh, the developer is human head studios. They released this game and, uh, it comes out with like mediocre reviews uh it's just not well received okay mm-hmm. again not the story the, the actual true story to this is that the week or maybe even less than that days after the game released bethesda buys human head studios oh yes and so you've got the studio that has been bought and it's it's not just like an acquisition and they pull them into the umbrella no they they buy the pe- like they really bought the people because the studio then closed in in mm. the same step mhm and so they formed an, another studio under a different name uh in the Bethesda umbrella and so what happens is this game now gets abandoned and it's not well received so obviously obviously this whole thing was planned well in advance the publisher who published rune 2 uh, had no clue what was happening uh the all of the uh source files everything was just kind of unknown to the publisher and in terms of like getting access to it again it was it was a real big mess and mm-hmm. and so uh i'm not clear on on how the new developer uh studio 369 came about i don't know if they are human head people who decided not to go uh over to bethesda or if they were just an existing developer that saw value in this but the the publisher and then this new developer got together and they've actually spent like the past year like fixing this game uh making Hmm. huge substantial updates because like one of the big things about this game when it released was like it had like no real story there was only five quests in the game what so the whole thing is it's it's based on north norse mythology and and so you're a viking and you're a chosen one uh, you know (laughs) of course of course you are of course and and so loki didn't that game just came out (laughs) loki does what he does he tricks you oh shit i didn't see that coming he uh but he also and in all of his uh trickiness uh unleashes ragnarok which is the apocalypse in norse mythology sure and the whole premise of the original game was like you would just farm enemies level up and then once you were like strong enough you would engage like the next 
age of Ragnarok as it got closer to like the like the end times and at the end of it like after you went through all the stages you would fight Loki and then if you beat him which uh was a fail state so like if you if you failed to beat him you would start over not like from scratch but like start off from like the beginning of the last age that you had done and you could like refarm until you got stronger to then face him and hopefully beat him like pretty lame right yeah not great so now they have this whole thing i mean the premise is still the same like that is the overarching goal however they've padded everything out in a way that like makes much more sense so now there's like 250 quests in the game they've enlisted help from the community like the people who actually tried to enjoy the game but saw that there was more to it that could be done um they've introduced like settlement mechanics where like when you go through these quests you'll go to different locations and when you get to these locations like they'll be either raided by bandits and you can like chop down wood and mine stone and then build those like housings or blacksmiths back up and kind of like reestablish the settlement. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of super superfluous to like the whole game, but it, it does add another layer to it and gets you more involved. Uh, it, they've got like dungeon systems now, so you can go like into a dungeon, fight a bunch of enemies and come out with some kick-ass loot. Um, it's, it's a lot better than what it, it seemed to have been before. Uh, I, I think that like visually the game is like really underwhelming. Uh, they're really, as far as I can tell, there really hasn't been a whole lot done to that side of things. And I, and I'm sure that there's a lot of limitations like pandemic aside, I think sure there are just limitations that they had, whether it be talent, whether it be availability, whatever it may be. I just think that there was just some aspects that could not be touched or revisited or whatever. But I think for what it is, though, I I was really enjoying myself. Like, I, through the review process, like, I would put it down and I would start thinking about it. I was like, man, I I would really like to finish that town and, like, get it back into working order. Or, like, man, I'm, I'm like, really close to leveling up again. I, I need to get back in there and, and go fight. And, like, you are still doing that farming aspect. But it, it just feels a lot better. I, I like, I really can't... Hmm compare or contrast like what it was like but it there is kind of a hook to it and it's it's good i i i would say wait for a sale i've got a review on this as well um but i would probably say wait for a sale but it's i think it's worth checking out for sure and it's it's just a really unfortunate situation of like what happened between that game's release originally to to where it is now i i feel like there's a bit of redemption there hmm Interesting. So like, but it's, it has at least come far enough along that you think it's worth checking out at a discounted price. Yeah, for sure. And with steam sales coming up, I think, I think that's the way to go. Man, they're coming right up. Interesting. Um, maybe not oh. this upcoming one, but maybe the next one, but like on a <laughs> sale for sure. Uh, like for, for for fans of rune is this a is this a yes you should get this on a sale uh, oh or is this well a, if you're gonna ask me that question then for fans of rune play rune classic ah uh, which is kind of which is the re-released steam and gog version of rune right 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 uh i don't i don't know it's good it's just it's just barely good yeah 
Okay. They did enough Fair to enough. it to, to kind of bring it over the line. <laughs> like, if it had released in the state that it's in now, do you think that would have altered perception enough? Yes. Or do you think... I do. I it, actually okay. do. Okay. I think it would have. I think it could have... Like, it wouldn't have changed, obviously, anything that took place, but had it released in that state, I think it would have been better well-received, for sure. All right. Well, good on them for keeping at it, I guess. Yeah. I always wonder how those things work out in the long term. Like, is that actually a financially viable thing? And do they make it up on the back end? Well, uh, I mean, at least for this portion of it, I think there there will be uh, some recoup of costs because, uh, as I said at the beginning, uh, it was only Epic Game Store, and now it's Epic Game Store and Steam. So when they, okay. they came out with this, like, revamped version uh, of I all see. of the changes that came with it, it came to Steam at that same time. So now there's two PC platforms. So if you really are you if you're in that camp that just does not like Epic Game Store, now it's on Steam. And so I think it it's, will get those sales that it it missed out on initially, even if the game was bad. As some love to say, it's finally out on PC. Yeah. Yes. It is finally out on PC. Um, Congratulations to Rune 2. Man, I really don't want to talk about this, but I, I do at the same time. You gotta do it. Someone remade 13 and they did not do Someone. a good job. <laughs> Someone. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. They didn't do a good job. <laughs> they did a bad job. Oh no. But they've admitted it. They put out, they put out a letter. They did the letter thing on Twitter. Oh man. Where it's a picture of a letter and it <laughs> says how sorry they are. <laughs> oh, we're so sorry. It's a, it's the old social media mea culpa. But it's not, it's not iOS Notes app though. So you know, it's not that bad. It's not. Oh, they yeah. didn't do that bad. <laughs> You're right. They're not. They're not sitting in their bed at two in the morning, like sobbing and typing out a quick iOS note that they can screenshot. Yeah. This is like this is something that's been through PR at least. Yeah, for sure. So uh, so who who? Okay, let's back up a little bit. Number one, who is who did this? And number two, uh, let's let's also like kind of reset the stage for what thirteen is in case someone doesn't know because there may be people who have missed it. So the someone is Play Magic, and uh, there's a good number of people that are actually at that studio. Uh, what that number is, I don't know, uh, but they have made other games before, um, and they uh, worked with the publisher Microids to to work on this game who I microids would be the ones who purchased the IP from Ubisoft uh, who originally published. And I think actually they did development as well of the original 13 that came out in 2003. Mm. So uh, we've got a 19 year old game that gets a sequel. And now we've got a 17 year old game that gets remade. Uh, And this is the lesser of, of, these near 20 year old games coming back to life. Unfortunate. Uh, it's just bad. Uh, they're, they're planning on like making some major changes, but like they redid all the art and I'm actually not bothered by that, but many people are. So 13 is right. a first person shooter. It's got a comic book art style and, uh, it, it, I don't know, like the reviews on Metacritic, like are in the seventies. Like it wasn't like this, amazing thing that came out 17 years ago you know it's it was just this middle of the road game that people enjoyed and right it had a unique art style it was pretty cool for the time i mean it was based on a graphic novel of the same name yeah yes so 
uh, it's like a French or Belgian comic mm-hmm. book. And so it was, you know, ported over to a video game form. I don't know, like, really anything about, like, how that works. Like, does it cover the whole series? I have no clue. But it's just based on yeah. that. It's got the voice talents of the rapper Eve, uh, Rough Riders fame. Uh, oh. You, you've got David Duchovny in it. I'm sorry, who? Uh, of the... You have my attention. <laughs> of Californication fame. And, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. And uh, I believe there is another third, uh, like, top billing name uh, voice talent that is a real actor who provided his voice, but I, the name is escaping me, and I'm sorry to Not a fake person. Are. Definitely a real person. A real person. I, I'm sorry to whoever you are that I'm forgetting. But, I'm sure they'll live. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, they redid the art, and I'm fine with it, but some people aren't. I think it looks better. Uh, I actually have the original 13 and I, yeah. I actually kind of like sideloaded that and was looking at it in, in comparison to what I was doing in the other game. And I, I get it, but also it just looks better. Like it doesn't quite look like a comic book, but it, it does. It's, it, it does. I, it's just got more shadows. But, right. Well, the original was like very cell shaded, like really, actually looked more like something off of the pages of a, of a book in that it was, I don't want to say low detail, but I think the level of detail and realism was, was much less overall. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people compare this new style to Fortnite, and I kind of don't get that. that. I kind of don't get that. It's, that's a little too much. It's like, it's less than Fortnite, but it is not on the same level. I see where they're going with it. Yeah. It's, It's like, it's in the, it's in, it's in like the same, I don't know, county maybe. Yes. But I wouldn't put it like I wouldn't say they're identical. By the way, that third actor whose name you were forgetting, uh huh, it's Adam West. God damn. Rest in peace. <laughs> oh wait, is he not dead? <laughs> You're laughing. I don't know. I thought he died. Uh, he did. He did. Okay, he okay. did. But but he's but he's credited still. In this, in this, re- oh wait, no, shit, I'm an idiot. Um, no, he is, he is. They, I mean, they, all of the audio is the same. They brought over all the oh, audio. Oh, that's why. They just redid okay. the art. Whew. Whew. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, that's it's... what I mean. It's like, rest in peace, Adam West. You, the recordings, we. Your work we lives have, on. We still had the recordings. We didn't have and to replace them. That really awkward. Um, I really don't want to get too much more into it. I got a review. Uh, I didn't really like it. Um. Some things are really bad. There was, there was one part. So the thing that I do want to talk about is that there was one part where it sounded like the fucking audio was destroying itself. It oh, was crackling, no. gargling. It just was like falling apart. The more I played it, I I would restart the checkpoint that didn't work. I restarted the level that didn't help. I reloaded the game. Nothing changed. It it is awful when it happens. It seemed to, to see it, it seemed to be attached to a very specific level. So once I got past that level, it was fine. But good God, was that the most horrific thing I've ever heard? Like I haven't heard anything like that since like I don't know the PS2 days, like when they would stop reading the drive <laughs> properly. I think there was a there was back when Red Faction Guerrilla came out on the the PC. I want to say, and this is God. 
so this is back when my PC gaming was done via a bootcamp install on, on an iMac. Oh, wow. Which tells you a lot about... Well, when we first started gaming together, when we were playing Rainbow Six Siege, that's what I was playing on. I do remember that, uh, actually. Yeah, and it did okay. It had an okay graphics card in it. Um, barely. But yeah, I remember starting up the Red Faction uh, Gorilla on that computer, and it was exactly what you described. Like the audio was just like an utter assault on my brain. Uh, like, like the, like the sound chip was just screaming for mercy. And it turned out there was like some fix you could do by changing the audio mode, but it was not well documented. Mm. Um, yeah, but I know the phenomenon you're talking about. It's not good. It's just, it's totally weird for that to happen today though. Like, I, I don't know how a thing right. like that can happen today. Um, they're going to work on it. Uh, maybe they'll fix it. Maybe they won't. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of done with it. I really, I'm not going to see it through. Uh, I think that's, that's probably fair. You've, you've done enough. I, I have done enough. Uh, but <laughs> what is 13 remake? I, yeah. And I'm, I, that's enough about that. Um, I've also been playing American truck simulator again because they just released the Colorado DLC and for, hey. those, for those who don't know, I live in Colorado, so I feel like I am the foremost expert here on this website to talk about Colorado. Um, I you, reviewed, are the, you are the preeminent American truck simulator Colorado scholar. I reviewed, I really I reviewed <laughs> it's okay. I reviewed Oregon and uh, am I saying it right? I feel like there's multiple ways to say nope, it. Nope, that's, that's the right one. Okay. So there's definitely wrong ways to say it. There are very many wrong ways to say it, but okay. you got the right one. Okay. So good. congrats. I reviewed that. I've been to the state once. So I, again, foremost expert, not you to talk about Oregon. It's, you know, it's fine. Uh, but it's, it's really good. Like, I mean, the thing of it is, it's like uh, SES software. They send people across the damn ocean to come out here, take pictures, and like get as very like it's not one to one, okay? But they 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 nail the essence of each state. And for me, living in Colorado and really knowing the state top to bottom, I can see that. Um, there's just a lot of love and attention to detail. They put a bunch of Easter eggs in. They they do have to make some concessions. So like there's a part, um, so I live near Colorado Springs and Denver is very far away from me. It's, it's about 75 miles. But what happens is when you, you drive North to Denver from Colorado Springs, you're there in about a minute or two in game. And the game works on an operate, like a, you know, a, a time scale that's much faster than real time. But what you can tell, though, is that the mile markers change. And they cut out about 50 miles of road. And in that space, there are things to see. But I, in, in, in terms of, like, trucking and, like, deliveries, it doesn't make much sense to have it there. So I, can, I sure. get why it's gone, but it is very jarring as someone who lives here mm -hmm. and knows how far away it is to get there. And who has made that drive split. many times. <laughs> yeah, it is it is jarring each and every time man i i really need to load the oregon dlc up and look for 
like geographic uh like condensation like that yeah it's it's really cool and they so really what i'm getting at is like they nail it each and every time and i i am going to be hard pressed to ever be disappointed in any of these dlcs and they're like super smart like they've only done like six or seven states at this point um and that's to include what the game came with at launch and they've really only covered the western side of the united states they're not even close to the mississippi yet and there's so much more to do and so that gives them such a a long life cycle of content to produce and it's just going to be really cool to see this game continue uh, over the years and as they add new states uh and i'm sure the pandemic has slowed down like the, the amount of states that they can release or develop in, in a in a certain period of time but i think what they've done this year like they've done idaho this year i think they might have done utah no i think utah was in the game hmm. but idaho and then now colorado this year i think they're at a pretty good pace and it's all I mean, starting they, to come together. They can just keep making American Truck Simulator DLC for another 40-some-odd years. Yeah, I mean, if they want to slow things down, for sure. Or, I mean, you know, cut it in half, like 20 years. Yeah. it's. I mean, it takes time to make those things. Yeah, and I, I, they've got almost all of Europe in Euro Truck Simulator 2. Um, they're actually going to be releasing something for that. Uh, I think it's the Iber- Iberian Peninsula um, here shortly, or maybe that's been moved into next year. But like, they're still making stuff for that game, and I'm I'm kind of looking forward to the day where you get like World Truck Simulator, where like you just get the entire world to drive trucks in. Like, I feel like that's where they're going with all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just becomes a, a shared uh, the, the the Truck Simulator connected universe. Uh, right. got a review on that too. Uh, kind of, I kind of summed everything up in that review here, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's if there's no reason not to buy these DLCs, absolutely none. Excellent. Uh, well, you heard it here first fans of truck simulator. Hey, even if you're not this game, it, this game is really for everybody. Like this is the perfect chill out game it that is what everyone says like literally everyone who plays it talks about how great of a chill out game it is and that seems fantastic because i don't know like there's a lot of really good chill out games out there but one that you can keep coming back to and just lose yourself in like that and that keeps getting new stuff added yeah i mean this is the kind of game like there's an internet radio thing that you can tune into and you can listen to radio like around the world or like what's kind of local like if you're playing american truck simulator you're going to get like kind of localized radio Uh, but this is also the game where you can play a podcast over (gasps) really Uh uh-huh oh fantastic if only people had a good podcast to listen to it would be the perfect companion yeah i don't know i mean someone will someone will figure it out right someone will think of something i'm sure I've talked for a long time. Uh, <laughs> you've, you've said words. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I've also been playing the new Call of Duty Black Ops or uh, mm. mm-hmm. uh, uh, Blops, if you will. If you're a blopper. Can you say, if you're a blopper, can you say the whole thing? Uh, Cod Blops CW. 
I was really hoping you'd go for an awkward like on the end of that, but that's nope, that's you got it. It's good. Kablops cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kablops cool. Yeah, I've been playing the Kablops cool. <laughs> and uh it's it's really cool. The campaign I feel is like I really want to touch a little bit on this cuz uh it's getting close to like a week since this game's been out, so you've probably already played it. Um I'm I've got a review out for it. Uh you can read that as well, but I think the campaign is does some really cool stuff. It just doesn't do enough of it. Um it really leans into the stealth stuff which does kind of line in with like black ops kind of you know things like there there's a lot of cia things so you're doing stealth missions you impersonate uh, someone in the kgb and there's like a really whole different thing with that um i i it's it's a lesser campaign um mm-hmm. i had i had some real concerns about the campaign uh going into it because when they did the playstation event when they showed the ps5 and like they're like we've got call of duty let's show gameplay and they did this whole <laughs> sequence where they did uh, a sniping thing at a airport this is the second mission i believe in the game and mm-hmm. and there's this there's this specific sequence that like bothered me and no call of duty game has like ever bothered no real game has bothered me the way that this sequence did and i have no idea why but so what happens is, so they, they try sniping a dude, it misses, it's scripted. And so because they miss, now everybody's alert. And just the whole thing pops off. The plane starts to take off. And so there's this mad dash to get to vehicles and chase after the plane. But before you do that, there there's this part where like you're shooting barrels, they blow up. And you can take people as, as human shields. And... Uh, so the dude in the gameplay, he takes a human shield, shoots people, like throws a grenade, and then uh, some other dude like kind of comes from the flank, and he stabs him in the chest, he pulls out a grenade, shoves it in his jacket, kicks him away, shoots the other set of barrels that are behind him, and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, Big it, it was move. too much. And uh, so when I played that sequence, uh, played that very same level, I didn't do that. And and I'm like might have missed a prompt, but like my my playthrough of that went completely differently. Um, I I also was nailing headshots where that gameplay didn't. I mean, I'm not bragging, (laughs) but I'm just saying like I I kind of just played it like a little more like get the kill and not go for the flourish. Sure. Uh, so like, I don't know, it was kind of nothing to worry about in the end. I thought that was, I just thought that that was how that sequence went, not as opposed to, I would have the option to, to do that. Right. Um, it's got a zombies mode. I don't like zombies. I never have. It seems a little better. We played that on your stream the other night. We did. Yes. So you, so you Uh, have some thoughts. I mean, it's, it's, it's zombies mode. Yeah. That's it. That's all I have to say about it. You can play a 20-round limited version, or you can do an endless version of it, which sounds insane to me. Uh, I mean, considering we hit a roadblock even just on round 10, largely my fault, but um, Well, I was still. the healer and I went down, which is very much my brand, but... 
<laughs> That's usually why I don't play a healer, but I thought it was going to be somehow different this time. I don't know. Um, this time it's going to work. There's a top-down version variant of the zombies mode, which is super weird and super kind so of... So strange. Bad. I don't like that at all. Uh, it, it reminded me of like an Xbox 360, like Summer of Arcade title. Yeah. Except... Except no, it's an XBLA title that didn't make the cut for Summer of Arcade. Yes, yes. That's what it feels like. And like to be fair to this mode, it's probably at least as good as any of that stuff was in its time. But the impression it leaves me with now is something that was like a second-rate XBLA title that like is it's like it's a top-down twin-stick shooter, right? Yeah. And there's no shortage of those, and there are plenty of good ones. And this one was just like, eh, not for me. I mean, it, it did ha- it bear it bore the title Dead Ops Arcade Three, so it's just some people must have liked the other ones because they did two other ones before this. So it's not like that it's so their it, first attempt. So that's not a joke. Like the they actually have made these same things in the past. Yeah, the I. I don't remember Black Ops 2 having the Dead Ops arcade, but I do remember uh, the original Black Ops having the Dead Ops arcade. So they must have made the yep. second one. In the second game, I just... Uh... And so for like some context here, like Black Ops 3 really deviated from even what Black Ops 2 did. So like the story completely changed. Um, introduced a whole bunch of characters. Like I think they kind of like hinted at some previous characters in black ops one and two, but like it was very distant from that. And then black ops four didn't even have a campaign. There was like some incidental story. Infamously. So yeah, I mean, I think people kind of latched onto it. Um, cause people it was got like, over it pretty fast too. Yeah. It had zombies it had multiplayer and it had battle Royale for the first time. So people were right. pretty into it, but I, I did miss the campaign, but considering how bad three was, I was glad that they just kind of glossed over it and didn't and just didn't. Um, but this campaign, I think, is cool. I love the Cold War era. Um, there's a lot of there's not a lot of Reagan in it, but there's a lot of like Reagan. Influence. But there's some Reagan in it. There is some Reagan in it when he's in it. He there's some Ronald ass Reagan in that game. Yeah, and uh, the person who. Uh, does the voice i think does an admirable job i don't think it's one-to-one or like the like that really like close facsimile like oh man did, how did they do that no it's 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 enough but you can tell okay um but he's Maybe not just like not the not the caricature version of a reagan you might expect no no it's not like a back to the future two caricature kind of thing it is someone <laughs> who is attempting to really be him it just it's not all the way there um, but he's gotcha. not in a lot in it a lot. Uh, there's more mentions of him than like his presence. And I think that was like the right way to go. Um, but there's some really cool stuff happening in that uh, zombies. Yeah, it's kind of a whatever thing for me. But if you love it, I think I think they kind of take a step back with zombies and kind of like reestablish some things. Um, but the multiplayer like I'm narratively. Really See, I mean, actually, actually, yeah, I mean, kind of narratively, too, because for a while there, they were bringing in people like real actors. Like, I I think uh, there's been so many, but like, I think Jeff Goldblum was in 
one of them. I think maybe Black Ops 4. I want to oh, say. I, I should have played that if, it, if that was the case. We've got to reinstall that. We could. I don't actually want to do that. No. Uh, but anyway, like they've had like all these different people. There was, I think, in the first Black Ops, like you could be John F. Kennedy. Oh, jeez. Because it was like this alternate thing where he didn't get assassinated. Uh, yeah, like it, they've taken a step back in the, in the right direction for that, and I'm I'm happier for that. Fair enough. Uh, it was Black Ops Three. It turns out. Oh, three. Okay. 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 And that was that was the era where like Call of Duty was trying to pull in some kind of big name actor each year, right? Because like Kevin Spacey was in a big Call of Duty uh, around the same time, like a year before that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but like the, their thing was is like they would have four playable people that were actors, so it was like they were pulling in four names at once. Um, but they were always kind of like of of. I mean, they're not getting Brad Pitt or George Clooney kind of types, you know. No. They got Ron Perlman, though. They got Ron Perlman. They got um, the one Heather actress. Graham. Yeah. They also got somebody else. I don't know. They got people, man. They got, they, they got Game of Thrones' Kit Harrington for uh, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Oh, the, now that is for another time. But that's a great campaign. Michael that Keaton was in Black Ops 2? He was? Apparently. I don't remember that. Uh, multiplayer is good. I, I really want to let you talk for a change uh, ah. about some games, but uh, the, yeah. the multiplayer is cool. I don't, again, like it as much. Like I feel like Modern Warfare did a lot, uh, a lot of the things better. And uh, you know, this is a game that's rooted in the 1980s. So you're limited by the weapons. You're limited by attachments. You're limited by equipment. So it's it's a it's a step back in the things that maybe you've been used to if you've been playing Modern Warfare for the past year, which I have, and this is mm-hmm. and that and to to qualify that, like I haven't played a Call of Duty for a considerable amount of time after reviewing it as I have Modern Warfare, and a lot of that has Same. to do with yeah. Warfare or with Warfare, War Warface, Face? Warframe, no. No. Warzone. What is it? God damn it. Warzone. <laughs> it sounds like a bit, but it partially was not. Oh, no. I was doing a bit, but I was waiting for you to get there. <laughs> Warzone. Uh, Warzone had a lot to do with it. Um, but I, I really do enjoy Modern Warfare's multiplayer just by itself. And yeah, I feel like that, that game as a package when it released was even better without Warzone than what Black Ops Cold War is now. I don't dislike mm. a lot about this game but i i just feel like the package is a little bit less and the fact that like you at least on pc where i'm playing you have to have i think which is also true for consoles like i'm not really trying to disparage anything here but you have to keep two separate installs you have to install right warzone or modern warfare and you have to have black ops cold war installed and there is kind of a nice right. handoff process to switch uh executables to <laughs> to the other but it's not it's not as smooth as it was when it was all contained within modern warfare so it really does start to kind of lose itself a little bit because of it i miss that a bit um that is sort of the thing that's just a bit of a bummer like being able to being able to like launch modern warfare and party up with people and switch between all the different multiplayer modes 
easily, seamlessly, um, in the same experience was a really cool feature of that game. And like the notion of me having to launch Black Ops Cold War and then switch games entirely. It's like, why, why is it, why is it even a menu option? I like, do think do we, it keeps your party intact. I do think that happens. Uh, but even I still, even still though, there's, there's the process of where Windows or your console or whatever has to destroy the file, you know, that you're running, spin up the new one. You wait for the shaders to compile because it does it every single time oh, you load the game. Oh, that is the one thing that Cold War does better, at least. Cold War is a much lighter feeling game like yeah it compiles all the shaders the very first time you run it it takes like 20 minutes but each subsequent run of that game does not happen where right warzone modern warfare it constantly has to check and make sure that the shaders are good and that that little check is really bothersome well and and the the general update experience in modern warfare is incredibly frustrating like like even just ignoring the file size and update size issues that that game has been plagued by since launch. You've also got the fact that every time an update to the game comes out, you have to rebuild shaders on the PC. Every time a graphics driver is updated, you have to rebuild shaders on the PC. And there are also my, this is my, probably my favorite is you will sometimes get updates of modern warfare that will finish downloading and you'll start the game up. And it'll start compiling shaders because it has to. And then suddenly it'll say, oh, actually, you need to restart the game because of the update you just downloaded. Yeah. And then you it's just the worst. Like, why? Why would you do this? Why? Uh, So at least, uh, you know, at least that's not really a problem in in Cold War. Um, But. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Oh, right. Also, let's not forget that if you have mod- if you own the full version of Modern Warfare and if the only part that you care about it from from still is Warzone, you still have to have the campaign installed. Yes. Yes. And I and like that has me wondering like can I just go install the like the standalone version of Warzone at this point? Like maybe. Yeah, I think I, I, think I could. I think you could. Yeah, you could probably swap it out. Maybe. With Black Ops Cold War, there is like a there's a thing that it like designates as like required, but it just says like base game. So it seems like they've figured out like what are the base assets that's that doesn't require the campaign to be installed because you can uninstall the campaign from this. Right. So the whatever they've done to figure that part out is a lot better this time around. It's just there's there's a weird disconnect now that didn't quite exist before. Um, but I am yeah. enjoying it. Um, I'm probably going to stick with it. For a while, um, I don't know how long that this is going to last. Ask me in a year. Oh, hey, guess what? You can totally uninstall the campaign now. Oh, okay, great. Warzone is the only required component of Modern Warfare anymore. Oh, That great. is the only thing you have to have installed. There you go. So that's how they've solved it. <laughs> so they did well, kind of move stuff around. I'm just going to get 49 gigabytes of my hard drive back right now. Thank you. Well, I mean, you should play that campaign with RTX on. It's really good. Yeah, with all... Okay, fine. I'll try a level before I uninstall. There you go. Jeez. Uh, so the, yeah, that is everything that I've been like, like really knee deep playing right now. Uh, what about you? Ah, well, I've been playing maybe some some less uh, contemporary releases, but okay, um, 
or at least less recent. But I've, yeah, so let's see. Um, I've been playing a couple of things uh, in the past two weeks or so. Uh, I've been spending some time with Paradise Killer, um, which I cannot remember for the life of me who made that. Uh, but it is a first person, like open world murder mystery game. Um, I hope the game it, is not literal because Paradise should be kept up. Well, uh, it's not quite that literal, but there are some interesting story implications around that. I can oh. I can talk about it a little bit. I don't want to spoil. Like it's to talk about Paradise Killer in too much detail is to almost rob a lot of what makes it so special and weird because like this is a very strange game, but in a, like in the best way, it's so, so odd. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's an open world, like murder mystery. Like you play as, uh, an investigator, uh, what, what is her actual? Yeah. She's, she's, she's an investigator, a detective called lady love dies. That's her name. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, is that, is that, all is that like first, middle, last, or I I couldn't say. I have not seen her official identification. Uh, I don't really know, but uh, people have oddball names in this game like that, like um, that are kind of almost more like you know descriptive descriptive of, of things that are happening, or like you know, uh, or know, there's they're non traditional. Uh, some of them maybe sound like friendlier Metal Gear bosses, if you will. Okay, but. Um, so you play as this investigator, Lady Love Dies. Uh, the whole game has this aesthetic, like it's a very vaporwave-like aesthetic, okay, um, uh, which is fantastic. So for those who don't know, like what would that be like? Sure. So like if you think about all, of, like it's not retrowave, which is like much more like synth, neon, cyberpunk, '80s stuff. Vaporwave is more like '90s style aesthetic with like the early eras of like windows 95 and 98 and like that era of the internet where like a lot of art that you would see online and on people's websites was like really low resolution gifs and like imagery of like, you know, great columns and statues mixed with like kind of some of the same soft, like uh pink and blue gradients. Oh, and so like a lot of like pastels, right? Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. So it's kind of, it's got that kind of feel to it, but that's that's overly reductive of what it is. But you, you will experience that same kind of sensation while walking through the world in this game. Okay. Um, the premise of this game is, I'm going to mess this up, so I'm going to just, I'm going to like try and uh, distill it a little bit. But the idea is people were, uh, figured out kind of the secret to, um, like eternal paradise, right? Um, and it involves pleasing this very specific set of gods through the construction of an idyllic paradise island and creating a civilization on it uh, and performing acts to appease them, right? Okay. And each, but but what what inevitably happens is, um, people screw up. And they piss the gods off and they let demons in and the demons come and bring about the apocalypse and the whole island is wiped out. And then this, uh, like there's always one, is, is it, there's always one, there's always one, it's always one, someone, well, or sometimes more than one. Um, but, but the demons get in, everything gets fucked up and then they have to pull the plug. And so everyone dies and, uh, the like kind of, I don't even know what the right word for them is, but like, you know, kind of the immortal ish, 
uh, figures who kind of help run things and who like architect the island and who help build it and then like kind of you know act in the administrative roles. Um, and people who form like the council, like they they all evacuate before the island is destroyed, and then it's all raised completely, uh, like just com- you know destroyed, removed from existence. Okay, and they start a new iteration of the island and they try to do it better, and so. The idea is like this, this has been taking place over the course of like thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And each iteration of the island can be a really long running uh, period of time. And inevitably they fuck up, but they get closer and closer to what they call the perfect version of paradise. And so your character has been in exile for 3 million days or so. Who's counting? Because of some, because she got tricked by some demons into doing something that she didn't mean to do. And the council was just like, all right, well, uh, your investigation license is revoked and we're going to send you off to exile and you can just think about what you did for way too long. Um, And the game opens with your exile being rescinded and you have to come back to paradise to investigate the murder of the entire council. Uh, And so you're you you get brought back in. You have to walk around and interview characters and kind of do some some clue finding. And um, I don't want to get too much more into it, but it's really unique. I have not played something like this uh, in terms of the story that it tells and the way that it builds these characters up. And um, like, yeah, you may have played a murder mystery game before. You've played a first person adventure game before. This feels like something that is actually innovative in terms of just the, the world they're creating and the way that you interact with it. And the lore is, is just ah, chef's kiss. It's great. It's like cool. it's so much my, my vibe. It's very much my thing. I'm having a great time with it. Do you have a sense of like how long it is? Uh, I don't, but it feels like it's not short. Um, let's see. How long to beat estimates about 12 hours for the main story. That feels right based on, on what I've put in so far. Yeah. Like it's not a, you know, it's a, it's a very low stress game, right? Like even though there's like the tension of the murder to solve, like everything's pretty lighthearted, you know? Um, and it's just a world you can sit back and ease yourself into and really take in. Uh, and like, you don't, you're not trying to go fast here. Like you want to take your time and really observe and explore and find all the nooks and crannies and discover hidden things and, you know, talk to extra characters and, and look into side pursuits and, and yes, there are romances and. Oh, wow. Okay. I, oh, yeah. I don't think oh, yeah. I was expecting that. I don't know how in depth they go. Uh, I haven't played long enough to really like, you know, pursue one. Um, but I have, I have, discovered some sure and i know that they exist so i'm not sure how far down the rabbit hole you can get with that but uh i know they're there anyway uh this is it's made by kaizen gameworks and published by fellow traveler um developer sounds and it's on yeah i don't know what else they've done i'll look it up um but it's on switch it's on windows it's on mac os so uh few options for playing it uh, i'm i'm playing on windows of course uh, and it looks and runs great on the pc uh i've heard the switch version is is not bad um i think it's like locked at 30 or something but at least it still supposedly looks okay um what else does uh, i don't see anything else on their website actually huh. um yeah 
anyway, it's cool. I'd recommend it. It's only 20 bucks right now. It's probably going to go on sale uh, real soon. Uh, and so if any of that sounds interesting at all, I'd say it's worth checking out. It does sound pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's neat. Um, I've been playing Oddworld New and Tasty on the Switch, uh, which is a Switch port of the, what, 2014 yes. game that came out? Yeah, I Good reviewed gracious. that in 2014. And I th- mm. so, like, when they announced this, I was like, man, are they, like, remaking it again? But no, they just ported it. it turns out, no. No, they just ported it. Um, but, yeah, so New and Tasty is, is like, uh, a remake in quotes. It's like an interpretation. And, and, sorry, an interpreted remake of the original Abe's Odyssey. Um and it's done in full like 3D, so they've taken like this 2D side-scrolling game uh, from you know the 16-bit era and redone it in like a you know the, I hate to say it but like two and a half dimensional mm-hmm. right it's like rendered in 3D but still like the from the side perspective and you get more you depth out of it yeah you oh you do you do and like and scenes pan around and like it's the camera's kind of dynamic and and they definitely like take advantage of the fact that like well we've got a full 3D engine here so let's do some cool stuff with it. Um, and yeah, you're, you're trying to escape from this horrific, you know, meatpacking factory that Abe has been more or less enslaved in. Um, and so the whole, the whole game is like, you're trying to escape and you're trying to get all your, your friends out with you. And so the mechanics, it's not like a traditional platformer, uh, where you're just kind of like running through levels and collecting collectibles for the sake of it. And, um, like, you know, trying to get fast, clear times, right. It's a slower, more methodical, like almost problem or puzzle solving style of gameplay, which mm-hmm. I think is a big part of what made the original so successful and why people liked it a lot. It was really unique at the time. Um, because there's no real combat in that game. If I remember correctly, like you, you know, you you're can, right. You can like drop boxes on uh, guards and things like that, but like, you're not really like swinging a wrench or shooting a gun. You're just, you might make things happen, I, but that's like really the furthest it goes. I did throw a grenade at a man. Okay. Uh, so there's technically some somewhat direct. Yeah, combat, it's been a while. You're right. It's it's mostly traps and like using the environment to uh, manipulate the guards to you know get into a situation where you can take them out basically or like remove them from the equation if you will. Uh, and I yeah, will. it's 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 a cool. It's a it's a pretty. Um, it's, it's a good take on an old game, and I think it's done pretty well. Um, like, I don't have much to say about this that wouldn't have been said already f- six years ago, but <laughs> uh, the Switch release is pretty solid, and I think I've played... So, <laughs> for context, I've played a lot of the Switch re-releases of the various Oddworld games that have come out in the past 12-ish months, yeah. right? Um, I've been... I've, like, somehow turned into, like, the beat... Uh, person for Oddworld stuff for saving content. Yeah, but like um, just, you get hit up every time now. Mm-hmm. And every time I say yes, yes, bring it along. I'd love to play this and see what I have to say about this thing that's not new, uh, but is ported to the system. Um, and I think this has been my favorite one that I've played of all the Oddworld games that have come to Switch. Um, it strikes the right balance between having really like actually fun and engaging gameplay that feels like it's still enjoyable um, and having enough like graphical fidelity uh, to, to feel like it's not ancient. Like this was a thing that I felt 
really hard when I was playing Munch's Odyssey and when I was playing even Stranger's Wrath. Stranger's Wrath at least runs really well on the Switch, Mm -hmm. but it feels like you feel that game's age. And I really wish they had just given that game the remake treatment, honestly. Um, I think that that game is really deserving of it. Um, But it's fine. It's, you know, it's, it still plays okay. Um, And Munch's Odyssey also, you feel it's age, but uh, I just, that game like leaned too hard into all of the odd world things and like the collectathon and mm-hmm. turned it all up way too much and was not that fun for me to play with. Well, um, so here's a question you may not have the answer to, but okay. what if they had ported the original Abe's Odyssey and not this new and tasty? Do you think it Ooh. could have held up? Do you think it would have worked the same. I mean it's it has been so long since I've played the original that it's hard for me to say for sure but my gut is yes um largely because games that were really popular and successful in that era tend to still play very well and still be enjoyable um like there's you know those games were successful in their day for a reason um but I don't know I'd have to I'd have to go check it out and see if it would like if they were to bring it to virtual console or just re-release it in <laughs> Virtual console is not a thing <laughs> anymore, but um, Nintendo sure does not want to make that like something that they ever talk about again. But um, yeah, if it were to ever come out like in a playable fashion uh, on a modern system, I, I would be willing to check it out and just see like, well, you know, how does this rate against the 3D remake? Um, but yeah, it's all right. You know, uh, it's 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 fun enough. Um, I'm. I am most likely to stick with this particular Oddworld game of any of the others I've played for review. Um, but, eh, yeah. I, I, but again, like, and it runs fine on Switch. It's not like, it's kind of the usual story of like, well, this game existed somewhere else before. Yeah. Uh, it mostly runs consistently, but the nice thing is that it's not a game where like super tight timing is required. Cause it's not like a tight platforming experience. So, you know, the frame dips like don't hurt in the way that they do with most other titles. Okay. So it has a few issues, uh, but not, not ways that is going to impact your ability to play the game. Right. Exactly. Um, so yeah, there's that. Uh, I have also just finished, playing uh the extremely contemporary like very much of the current day and time uh resident evil 7 oh from last gen yes from last gen uh when did that come out two years ago uh i think i looked it up and it was three i think it was like january 2017 oh yes it was um which is so weird yeah january 2017 that's it doesn't feel like an like a three year old game, and yet here we are. Um, no, I decided uh, in like late September that I wanted to play through something spooky, and so I set aside some time every week to play through that on my stream. And um, that was a weird thing to come into because like you and I, I think, are both you know we're fans of the Resident Evil series. Yeah, I, I came into the series late. Like, I don't want to get too much into it, but I came into the series late. Like, I really started with four, and that's what kind of mm-hmm. got me into it. And I've uh, spent the past couple of years kind of going back, playing Resident Evil Zero HD, the first yeah. one HD. Uh, I mm-hmm. need to play two and three, the remakes. But, yeah, so I'm kind of getting myself, like, caught up 
um, and yeah, getting to play yeah. them all. Yeah, I I have strong memories of being 13 years old and being like with my entire soccer team over at one of the guys' houses for his birthday. And it was like an overnight, like hangout, you know, sleepover thing. And I remember all of us being crowded around the like, you know, 24 inch CRT uh, in the living room with one guy playing Resident Evil <laughs> on the PlayStation and all of us just being like transfixed by it. Um, and I didn't actually play it any of them myself until uh, the remakes started coming out on the GameCube in oh, like sure. 2003, 2004 ish. Um, so I, I started my Resident Evil journey with playing the Resident Evil remake on the GameCube, which was a blast. Um, really, that was actually a great way to kind of get into the series, I thought. Um, I haven't played like the. So. Did they remake the remake or did they up-res the remake? Do yeah, you, so you know what I ended up playing is is the remake but in HD version that they that they would re-release. So it's a re-release okay. of the remake but it's HD-ified. It's a, it's a remaster of the remake. <laughs> it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. I hate. Um, anyway, so played that. Played Resident Evil 0 on the GameCube. Played Resident Evil 4 on the GameCube. So did I. And I was like very like solidified into the series at that point. Did you play with the and chainsaw then, controller? No, I did not have the chainsaw controller. I didn't either. I want to know someone I was who, not, had, who did play it that way. I was not into like all the weird like GameCube peripheral controllers. Like I admired them from a distance, but like there were just too many gimmick ones and it just, it, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't do it, man. That's all right. I was like, I was a, broke college student at the time anyway so like just even i want to say i probably bought resident evil 4 used like two years after it came out you know yeah like it wasn't i mean i was a broke yeah, military dude t- that's why i had a gamecube <laughs> see this is what you do when you're broke in your you know uh in your teens or 20 early 20s at that stage in your life when the gamecube is out <laughs> is you get a gamecube yeah it was very attainable <laughs> and it had a handle so you could uh, carry it everywhere it was perfect. Yeah, you could you could just tote it around everywhere you wanted and show everyone what you were doing with your GameCube. Yeah. Anyway, and it's tiny discs. Um, you and I, <laughs> the idiot's biddiest discs. Um, that might be an episode title right there. So we, you and I, played Resident Evil Five co-op about a year ago. Yep. Which was not my first run through. Nor mine. I don't think it was yours either. Yeah. Um, that game has been like much maligned uh, for not being a good Resident Evil game, but fuck that. I think it's really fun. It's super fun. <laughs> I, I, I have actually only played it uh, in co op. First time was on the 360. I did it online co op and then uh, PC, PC for the first time with you online co op. Right. And boy, did that game feel easier on the PC. Uh, yes, like, as it turns out. Big surprise. Um, uh, big surprised. Can I talk? No, do I know how to do that? Not really. Um, anyway, and then we tried to play Resident Evil 6 after finishing it, and we, we quit after the first chapter. Yep, so, and that's the, that's, the whole, like, that's the whole playthrough that is uploaded on my YouTube, is that one right. episode. Uh, but mm. I, I consider it the whole... It's the whole thing, as far as I'm concerned. It's the entire Let's Play. We got through well, the... That's all, it was... We got through that it's chapter. It's weird that, that they game released in one hour. Weird. It's weird that they released a full price game that was only one chapter. Yeah, uh, it is very weird. 
Anyway, after that experience and after like kind of seeing the downward quote trend and quality of those games, I was really skeptical to get seven back when it came out. And I was surprised to hear like in general, it just was getting rave reviews. Um, people were like, Oh, this is a return to forum. This is an incredible reimagining. And I like, I didn't want to buy it at all. I was like, figuratively speaking and literally, uh, I was like, there's no way, like, how could they have pulled back up from this obvious nosedive? Mm -hmm. But I'd heard enough people over the years say it was really good that I figured, okay, let's check this out. Um, and so I said, it's spooky month. I'm going to play a spooky game and resident evil seven does not disappoint at all. It is, um, probably one of my favorites in the series, even though it, I know a lot of people are going to be like, Oh no, that's ridiculous. Like I, there's plenty I feel of other like, better games. I feel but. like that game has definitely taken the mantle for a lot of people to be their favorite. I yeah. I, I say, I said this a lot on my stream, like almost every night that I played it, but I think what that game does for me that I love so much is, um, so if you haven't played it or if you don't know, uh, it's the first resident evil that, takes place in the first person. Um, and it is still very much a resident evil game. There's still plenty of like puzzles inside of a giant house to solve. Although not as many I found. I feel um, like the most puzzly part of it was the shotgun Indiana Jones thing that you had to do. Yes. The shotgun and the three headed dog, uh, like door key. And like, once you get out of there, suddenly it's like way less of that stuff, which is fine with me. Um, but there's still some of that. And there's still like very Resident Evil feeling combat and it still does the thing that Resident Evil games do where it starts off like less and like by the end of the game you're mowing down loads of, you know, zombies or whatever the the particular flavor of enemy of that game is and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so like, you know, the DNA is still there, right? But it's first person and it leans way more into like psychological horror and like thriller territory. And that is where that game shines the brightest is when it's not putting you in situations where you're having to like try and deal with a zombie that's like shambling toward you. Um, it's, it's when you are being faced with twisted, grotesque versions of humanity that are challenging your... Uh, your your notion of reality and like what is human decency and um, that game does some really visceral stuff in the first hour uh, yeah. that it's like that'll tell you whether you're going to keep going or if you're done <laughs> like it once you get through that first like 45 to 60 minutes you know if you're if you're hooked or not um, right and it was it's 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 stuff it, there's some really really gruesome um violence in it now but have you played is, anything like it like the the outlasts or the layers of fear kind of games that no are, that that game I've kind not. of um, plays on yeah it, it, it borrows from those sorts of things a lot right and there's like some elements of amnesia at times as well right like kind of mm -hmm. the you know not not directly engaging in combat so much as like trying to just run and hide and stay alive right um that stuff works really well for that game, I think. Uh, and there's even there's even some moments in the early part of the game that feel, and actually, kind of in the in the final sequence. Now that I think about it, um, and this this isn't really a spoiler, that in, in both like the beginning and end of the game, there's some stuff that feels a lot like uh, even just PT. Um, okay. 
and the timing on that's a little weird and it's very loose comparison right like it's literally the sense of like you know going through the halls of a really weird creepy house and like having some weird shit happen is about as um the direct as it gets i don't you know it's it's not full-on like looping through multiple times and kind of territory but um you know there's there's some some elements that are evocative of that which is interesting because you know pt was released in um 2014 i think well 2014 yeah okay never mind that's that would have been plenty of time for them to have taken some of those concepts and fold them into their game so um probably not an accident that those similarities exist but anyway uh i ended up having a really good time with resident evil 7 i i thought it was um it was a good mix of some of the things that make resident evil like what it is and make it feel special Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm Um, and those are like, I mean, come to think of it, like resident evil five didn't really have a lot of that going on in it. Um, like the puzzles, you know, it was like the, those games got so action oriented over the years. Um, it was nice to get back to something that felt like, uh, tension and not just like, all right, let's, you know, deal with like increasingly ridiculous, uh, infected bioweapons, um, which, I guess there's still there's still a flavor of that. And so this is the other thing that's interesting about Resident Evil as a series to me, and then like 7 as well. All of the different ways that they keep explaining these like horrifically mutated people or creatures that you fight, right? Yeah. Like you, you go from the T-Virus in the original games, uh, which is like pretty much a straight up like zombification thing. And then you sort of learn like, well, that's, that's actually in service of creating these tyrant like uh, bioweapon creatures. Right. Um, and you know, and Mr. X and, 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 and that ilk. And then, you know, we just, we get into resident evil four and now it's Las Plagas. It's like, was it like, it was a parasite, I think. Yep. yep. Which was also, I don't remember the origin of the parasite. Like that was genetically engineered as well, I think. Yeah, and then they just cloned no, not cloned it, but like it like they bred and so it carried the disease right, further right. that they mutated. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which was like I guess that was also sort of why that game was fun in that like they found a new way to make creepy disgusting enemies that would propagate. Um and then it was uh resident evil five was weird because it felt like i think there was kind of like two things going on in that game right there was a very las plagas like parasitic infection and stuff that would manifest in almost the exact same way mm-hmm. and i don't remember if it was actually the same one or if it was like a modified strain or something similar and then there was like this whole I always fuck up the pronunciation on this. The the Ouroboros? Ouroboros. Um, yeah, if you say it that way. Yeah, then you get it right every <laughs> you time. You get it right every time. Um, which was like another weird genetic mutation thing. I don't even remember what that was supposed to be. Well, I think we can ascertain that the stories of Resident Evil are very clear and defined. And it, yes. You just yes. can't help but follow uh, the, sp- the thread. The, right. The specifics are just indelibly etched into my brain and I will never forget any details about them whatsoever. Uh, and so then in seven, we get to, I don't even remember what the deal with six was because it was only one chapter and there was a lot of plot holes. It was really strange. Uh, <laughs> with, with seven, it's a, okay, this is a real weird one. 
it's a genetically modified human, which is modified during its gestation period in the womb. And I think they inject it with bacteria. I don't remember exactly. That would make sense, given how moldy they all were. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then they come out uh, and they're born and they have like this accelerated aging thing. And so like the, the main, you know, the main villain is like a, it's, it's a, it's a person bioweapon with sentience. Um, but yeah, they have like this bacterial infection that they can inflict upon the spaces and the people and the whatever around them. And like that manifests as these creatures called the molded, um, which appear to be made out of mold. Apt. Um, it's, it's real disgusting. Um, but also like, I don't know, they're gross, but they're not as like scary necessarily as like traditional zombies are. Cause I mean, they use whatever biomass they can find to kind of create these lumbering weird, like facsimiles of a bipedal humanoid. But, but this game did you know, scare you. Like a, this game made you jump. Th- this game made me jump a lot. Uh, real good jump scares. Uh, lots of spooks more to do with the human characters in the game and less to do with the spooky monsters, Mm -hmm. which are mostly just like set dressing. I feel like, um, but yeah, some good, some good spooks. And, And it was, and it does the, that game does such a great job of what the best horror movies do, which is really mastering the pacing of how like the tension rises and falls and how you, are like gearing yourself up and expecting to be scared. And then things go on long enough that you lull yourself into a false sense of security and you think things are going to be fine. And then bam, that's when they get you. Um, it's, it's very well written and well executed. And, and I think, you know, the fact that it is a video game as opposed to like a movie lends it even more, um, like it's just more effective at that trick. So, so. it earns the, the jumps. I think so. I think so. hundred percent. No, they're, they're good jumps. <sighs> um, so yeah, but I wrapped that up and, and there was a lot of DLC that was released for it, which I have resolved not to play because I've reached like the limit of what my nerves can handle. <laughs> um, do you think that's exacerbated by streaming being? it or do you think that just would have happened if, if, even if you weren't? I think it would have been that way regardless. I, I'm, I'm not even sure if I would have played it. Um, without the stream, to be honest. Although I say this, owning the Resident Evil Two remake and really wanting to play it, um, <laughs> so that might be. I might have to. Maybe maybe the stream is the way to kind of get back into that. I need like, I don't know. Those those things are kind of more fun with with you know people to share the experience with for me anyway. I think. Yeah. Ah, uh, so I wrapped that up. Uh, and Hey, you know, three years, almost four years late, but, uh, thumbs up do recommend. Uh, and actually the timing is good because, you know, resident evil eight is coming out sometime next year. So, uh, good a time as any to get caught up, I would say. So if, if they're doing kind of the same first person stuff again, does, do you think that that's going to play again? That's going to be fine. I think so. I think they're even just judging from the trailers they've shown, I think they're going to find some more ways to play with that idea. Uh, and I think they're going to figure out some ways to keep it interesting. Um, like if it's working, like why not keep it, you know? Uh, and then 
the last thing I've been playing, not the last, the other, I don't know. The last thing I'm going to talk about that I've been playing mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> uh, is I am still playing Hades uh, weeks after diving in. Um, that game just continues to be an absolute blast. Where are you, where um, are you playing it? Well, funny you should ask. Um, I had been playing on the PC uh, for a good chunk of time uh, and kind of working on my save file there and, and getting familiar with all the different ins and outs and progressing the story. Uh, and then this past weekend, uh, we went out to the coast for a few days and you know I had my Switch with me and I, I have it on Switch for review as well. And... I have been really hoping that the cross save feature between steam and switch was going to come out soon. I guess PC and switch. It's not, it's not exclusive to this, to their store. No. Um, and you know, originally super giant was hoping to have it in the game in time for the switch launch. And they pushed it back because they found some issues with it. And then they were thinking October originally, and then they continued to, uh, you know, sort of find some really late, uh, late game, by late game, I mean like you know, late in the development process. The development um, game. Yes, exactly. Uh, some some they found some other like edge case, uh, but fairly problematic. It sounded issues uh, with the feature, uh, getting close to what they were hoping to do by the end of October. So they've sort of pushed it off indefinitely, uh, and their you know their stance that they've taken on it publicly is just like, hey, look, due to the nature of this work. Um, it's kind of complicated and we really want to make sure we get this right. And we don't kill people's saves, uh, which I think is totally the right stance yeah. to take. Um, it's the only really, I, I would. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's the right call. hundred percent. Um, I was really hoping it'd be they'd magically like have that feature out, uh, right before, you know, in time for me to leave and get my save synced up to the cloud, but they didn't, but I really wanted to play Hades over the weekend. So I took my switch and I started a brand new save file, uh, on that system and I was really expecting that to kind of suck for the first couple of hours, uh, like getting back through all the same story that I'd already been through and kind of like having to work through earning new abilities. And this is this was the point where I learned just how well-designed this game actually is. Uh, so like, you know, Hades is like a roguelite, right? Um, or it's a, uh, it's a roguelike, but you know, death and respawning are not just assumed, but like they're, they're woven into the core fabric of every aspect of the game's mechanics. They're a core aspect of the game's actual story and narrative. Uh, and it's like way better than what you would see in like rogue legacy, right? Like, you know, where, you know, they kind of like give it a throwaway, like, oh, well, you know, each new generation comes and tries to, uh, reclaim the castle. It's, it's not that. Like this is, you know, the main character Zagreus reincarnates in Hades every time he dies because he's trying to escape and he's trying to make his way through his father Hades's kingdom. It's kind of funny that like, well, I guess technically he's, no, I guess it's Tartarus, right? Like they don't refer to the realm as Hades. No. Um, yeah. So he responds in, in, in like the, the great like house in Tartarus, um, they have a name for this as well that I'm blanking on, but um, he comes back every time he dies and you talk to all the same characters who were there about your progress. Hades himself just always talks shit to you about how you're not going to escape and how you suck. And you know, you're 
you're worthless and he's really disappointed in but you he's always doing it like as he's like him. writing stuff down so like he's not even really paying attention to you to even insult you oh totally which is like which is insult enough in itself right like he's so preoccupied with all of his underworld paperwork that he can barely be bothered to pay you enough attention to tell you that he is not happy about what you're up to <laughs> um anyway so you know, you would you would be forgiven for assuming that like having to restart that game would be a chore. Um, and it turned out that that like the upgrades that you purchase for yourself in that game as you work your way through it are very helpful. But all of the knowledge and skills you gain uh, transfer to a new save file very cleanly. And so whereas I spent the first probably 10 or more runs of that game just figuring out, you know, what all the different ins and outs and subtleties of the mechanics were and understanding what the weapons did Mm -hmm. and kind of figuring out how everything tied into each other. I came into a new playthrough and a new save file understanding that. And in a lot of other games that would give you some kind of a leg up in Hades, you, you like can just take off running like sprinting from square one uh, if you already know what you're doing on a new file, right? Like you understand the flow of combat. You understand how weapons and abilities work. You understand innately like just how to play this game. And so on your first run, right? Or your first save file, like you're learning, you're dying a lot really early. And like, I think it was, I don't know, the, uh, like my third run, maybe, might've been the second run when I like escaped Tartarus, Mm -hmm. um, and moved on to the second area. Right. Um, and I was just like, I was floored and I just thought there's no way that without, um, without upgrades and abilities that I'm going to make it, you know, anywhere into like even just Elysium, which is the third area. Um, and like I was consistently getting to Elysium by my fifth run. That's awesome. Right. It was so fucking cool. This is like one of my favorite moments I've had with any video game in years where like you sit back down and you realize like, no, this thing is designed for you to kick ass at it if you know what you're doing. Um, And like re-experiencing the story stuff is not painful at all. Um, You know, I, I finished run 10 last night, I think, or 11. I finished run 11 last night and like, I'm I'm now past where I was on on my PC save and that that save is almost up to run 20. So it's like half the amount of runs way more efficient. Um way more efficient uh further along in terms of actual like game progression than I have been. Um and it's still fun to play. Um and it runs mostly almost as good on the Switch as it does on the PC. It's it's like it's mostly 60 frames a second. Uh, both in handheld and in docked. And, you know, the only time it dips is when there's just way too much shit on screen, which isn't that often. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's like, it's great. Um, it's It's been a joy, like, starting over and realizing, like, oh, man, like, this was no big deal starting over. Like, it basically, it didn't really hinder my progress at all in terms of, you know, actually moving forward through the game, which almost doesn't make sense, but, um, they figured it out. So now it's it's not like figured it out. Like it's not meant to be like a, a thing. It's just really like, they really did figure it out. Like I, I played this game for preview. I've got a preview on the site and I did not get past the first world in any of my playthroughs. Sometimes those things, like sometimes I play one of those things and 
uh, one of those things being a roguelike. And like one of my previews, I completely cleared the game. <laughs> and I did not mean wow. to. Um, it, it was in early access, so it, like it wasn't finished, but I had cleared what there was. And that was a complete, uh, complete accident. Um, but then <laughs> like for Hades, though, I just was getting stomped. And it, I was still getting familiar with like the systems and stuff. And you could probably tell. But uh, I was having a lot of fun with that. And I was playing a near finished version of it. So uh, when I have played it after it released, I didn't lose any of my save progress and I was kind of able to just pick up from where I left off in early access. And I think that's also a testament to things as well is because usually during that handoff process of like early access to release your save gets wiped or you can't use your previous save and you have to start over anyway. Mm -hmm. So like even on that end, they've made it so there's like the least friction possible. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And, and and like now I was even I was even thinking to myself like, oh, man, well, now I got to wait till I can move my switch save file back over to the PC. But now I'm kind of thinking like I might just be able to jump back and forth between them without really noticing that much of a difference. I mean, the story progress isn't going to carry over, but like, you know, I, I've clearly come to realize that. I can play this on whichever save and pretty much be as effective in either case. Mm. So uh, it's kind of nice. Like even without cross save enabled, it's uh, totally viable to have it on more than one place. And I don't know. That's, that's like, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. That's awesome. I I'm super impressed by this game by super giant. Like every release has always been kind of this monumental kind of thing, but I feel like Hades is just in a, in a whole different league. Yeah, it really is. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's special. It's very special. <laughs> That's I, I'm really looking forward to try to spend some more time with it before the year is out. I fully endorse this plan. <sighs> you know, I've, I've been playing something else too. And like, I've been kind of hemming and hawing like whether I even want to talk about it, but I think the fact that I'm kind of on the fence over it is the reason to talk about it. And that's ghost runner. Oh yeah. I love, hate this game. (laughs) So, so, okay. So the things that I love about it and really it's just like when I'm winning, when things are going well for me, I love it. Like, so it's, it's a first person, uh, Uh, parkour game but you have a weapon you have a katana and occasionally you will run into rooms with enemies in it and sometimes those enemies are required to be killed in order to progress sometimes they can be bypassed but in most cases you have to fight them and in most cases they will be shooting at you and in most cases you will die because you die in one hit and that is the frustrating part of, of of that game is like if this game was kind of devoid of enemies and you were just doing the parkour stuff because the platforming elements of it are pretty demanding. And so there's times where you will fall and you will just fall to your death from a mistimed jump. I don't think I would hate it. Like, I don't think I would be so so on the fence. I would, I think I would really enjoy it more if there was just no combat whatsoever. 
Hmm. And I like, yeah, I, I feel that I really feel that. I don't think this is like a, Oh, the game must be too hard for you. <laughs> no, it's, it's not <laughs> that it's just, it is just so one or the other. Like it doesn't cleanly transition between like these platforming segments to combat. Like it does in the literal sense, but I think for my mindset, it doesn't. Yeah. No, I, I know exactly what you mean. Like I, I've been playing some of that as well. And I feel like I've had the exact same experience with it. Like there's so much I love about that game. Um, like, you know, movement feels really good. I, I love like the setting and just like all the trappings around it. Combat, like you said, like when it's going well, it feels great. And when it's not, it's infuriating, uh, especially because some of the combat puzzles feel designed not just to be difficult or challenging, but like they feel designed to to like hold you up for a while. Yep. You know? Yeah, it like, really interrupts the momentum that the game otherwise has. Yeah. Like and, and I and they feel often like they're designed to have a specific solution in mind and they're not like as open ended as they could be. It's uh I don't know. I mean it's, there's it's, there's it's, a it cool like Tetris thing where you can like slot in abilities based on like what you want, but you're also limited on what right. you can fit. Uh, there's these abilities that you're given, which I don't regularly use, even though like that's maybe part of my problem is that I need to be. Uh, yeah. But I just, I don't know. It's, it's not really sitting with me well. Like I'm very just on the fence with it. Like it, yeah. I, I play maybe I a really... level and then I'm kind of done and then I have to turn it off. Right. Yeah, yeah, same. Like, I had really high hopes for it after the demo. I was like, oh, man, this is my jam. Like, I'm going to have a great time with this. And then it came out and started playing it for real. And I was like, I get too frustrated after a single level to play more than one at a time. And that's part of its problem is that, like, sometimes a level is, like, 10 minutes. But then there's other levels that are 30 minutes. And the checkpointing isn't as generous as you would want or hope. And so there's been times where I just get frustrated and just quit where I'm at. And then when Mm -hmm. I reload it, it, I am like segments back from where I last was. Yep. Yep. Which, which would mean repeating an encounter that I really didn't like or had a hard time getting through. Oh God, that's the worst. I also feel like this game has like, there's games that are demanding in terms of timing being precise. And then there's ghost runner, (laughs) right? Where, so many of the abilities are focused on like really getting tight timing down, which I get thematically, right? Like you're this, you know, cyborg ninja esque type of character and some of your abilities I think that's like, literally description of him moving. Well, yeah, it's fair enough. Uh, <laughs> like some of your abilities involve, um, like you know, reacting to things at superhuman speeds, right? Mm-hmm. And and doing things faster than a real person ever could. So yes, I can see how thematically it would make sense for your timing on like you know parries or deflections or um, like just executing certain moves to have to be very precise. But I feel like the expectations are totally unreasonable on most players. Do you, do you feel that way at all? Yeah, I, I do. Like, and that, that stems from the kind of like the poor checkpoints that just stems from these combat encounters. Yeah. Like it's great. Yeah. Like in the early going when you're able to just like slice dudes up, no problem. But then I'm at a stage where they're introducing shielded enemies. 
Oh yeah, same. Uh, and that is just kind of a nightmare to deal with. It's, I mean, their shield is really stupid anyway. Like it's only like a like a 180 degree shield that only faces forward, but they turn a lot. And so all you have to do is get around behind them and, and slice them, and like that's sometimes easier said than done. But all the same, like I just, I don't know. There, there's just some elements of this game that just don't hold up to the other parts of it and it it just kind of is losing me and i don't know how much longer i can keep going in it yep same i and i almost feel like if i could turn this down to a super easy mode like a tourist mode almost i would i would do that just because i want to keep experiencing the world and the story is good enough that i want to see where it goes but i don't want to have to bash my head against the wall to get there i might be uh misspoken by the time that i stop saying these words but i don't think you can change the difficulty unless you start over don't think so either um but unfortunately that might honestly that might take me less time if i were to do that than <laughs> just to keep pushing through yeah um, very likely yeah the game sure does look good though doesn't it yeah um i've got an rtx 2080 ti um i'm actually i'm running it in dx12 but i'm not using ray tracing i'm just using dlss Mm-hmm. Uh, and it it like maxes out the frame rate for my monitor, so I am very happy with that. Yeah. Uh, the ray tracing looks nice. Uh, I just don't think it's a required element of the game for me. Yeah, so I am one of the like relatively small percentage of Steam users who is lucky enough to have a thirty series card. Uh, I don't, I don't even know how I managed to pull this off, but yeah, I, I, I got my 3080 at the end of October and, um, you know, ghost runner like looks great and it runs like a dream on that car. Like pretty much everything does mm-hmm. unless you're watchdogs legion. Um, uh, I, I've tried it with the ray tracing features on and with, with ray tracing and DLSS running together, I think it can still stably, mostly like run around like 70 to 80 um seems like a pretty big hit though it's not small especially if you like i'm trying to remember how much control over the ray tracing effects you have um and it may have also been to do with the point in the game that i was testing it um but yeah it's like it's a significant hit for sure because like the ray tracing is intense with all the reflections that it's trying to draw um and it looks it looks great and like the game obviously like look if you can be above 60 um consistently at like 1440p with all that all the bells and whistles going like that's that's fine um that's that's pretty good but i felt like the dips were noticeable when they would happen like even if it wouldn't dip below 60 like i could still feel it uh and and because of the aforementioned timing uh challenges with that game like that's not you can't afford to be distracted by like, ah, like, you know, I just, I just kind of got close to something sub 60 and like, I can feel that, that change. And this is so funny as a side note. Cause like, you know, five, six years ago, I was a person who was like, ah, I, you know, I, I guess I can see the difference between 30 and 60 frames a second, but like, I don't see why it matters. And now like, you know, I've reached the point where <clears throat> I can feel I not just dips below 60. Like I feel like I can feel dips below 80 or 90. Um, yeah, like you I just, do too. I can feel just, it. Uh, I think for me, like, uh, so a 2080 is really not that like slow of a card. I mean, it's, it is able to do RTX. No problem. It's just 
for me, I think I was like 50 to 60 with it enabled. So there's oof. It is significant on a first generation ray tracing card as well. Yeah. But yeah. even more and I so. think like there's there's places where the 3080 can do 90 frames a second with RTX on and DLSS and, and it looks great. I did feel like <clears throat> I feel like the DLSS implementation with ray tracing, um, like I, I see the noise problems that people talk about. Like even on the 30 series card, which is supposed to eliminate a lot of that. Um, like I, I just, I don't know. Like again, like that's a game where precision is so important and visual fidelity is important in a way that like, I, I don't actually want to turn all the fancy shit on because it messes with uh, like your ability to really see detail and react quickly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's um, th- where I'm landing on all of this is like, <clears throat> if, if a game is demanding like, precision or it's competitive like ray tracing is not what you want to have on uh so it's kind of weird that like call of duty lets you turn on ray tracing for multiplayer like i mean it's it's a global setting but at the same time like it makes zero sense from a competitive sense it it's true um although you know i did have that on for multiplayer the other night and like 3080 can still just like it kind of laughs its way through that game even with ray tracing on um, which is awesome like I think, you know, it was still one of those situations where, you know, in in intense firefights, like you can feel frame dips start to happen a little bit. Um, But it's a really impressive game. I I think like the the bigger issue is, like you said, with competitive stuff, I don't like ray tracing doesn't confer any kind of competitive advantage. No. You know, like it's it looks great. It doesn't actually do you any favors. So ray tracing really is is an immersion element of. Yeah. of graphical processing. It's not meant to do anything much more than that. Yep. Yep. And so like for single player content, it makes all the sense in the world uh, for multiplayer. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> why, why do we even have this now? Um, now I, when I built a new PC earlier this year, I went from a GTX 1080 to an RTX 2080 Ti. And I mean, there were significant differences uh, in, an increased performance between all of my games and some more than others. But I mean, the overall feeling of playing a game with this new GPU was that it was much better. It was a much better experience. I was able to experience ray tracing for the first time and really see like what some of my games could do that I had to turn down, start, you know, I was getting to a point where I had to start turning down settings because my PC was four years old and like, it just couldn't yep. quite do everything that I wanted to do. I couldn't, I had reached a point where maxing out a game no longer was viable, but you, sure. you've jumped two generations or skipped a generation rather. I did. So, right. How's that? It's, it's pretty wild, man. Like, so yeah, I was also on a GTX 1080 prior to this. Um, and I skipped the 20 series, uh, when it came out because everything kind of pointed to like, Hey, look, you know, unless you really have to have real time ray tracing, which is okay at best, um, right now, then you should wait. And so I did. Uh, and then, you know, the 30 series kind of like whipped everyone into a frenzy and it's boy, waiting two generations to upgrade. And especially coming from the 10 series, which was already a really strong, 
you know, leap forward from its predecessor to the 30 series, which is like this insane technical achievement. Um, it's, it's just been incredible. Like it's, it, I cannot believe what this card can do. And, and I've said this to you a number of times now, which is as one of the things I've noticed in like testing a ton of games that I've played this year on the 1080 and like a lot of other big temple releases that have come out is that, you know, despite having to turn things down and despite having to start making compromises and optimizations with the 1080, that thing was still a total workhorse and was still a really impressive, uh, GPU. Uh, it was like, it probably would have lasted me another six to eight months until I finally like got completely frustrated with, you know, visual quality being at the absolute lowest in order to maintain frame rates that I was happy with. Um, but man, like the 3080 just like, it shrugs everything off. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, so it's, you described it's, a similar Luke Skywalker when you got your 2080 Ti. What about that? What? It's like Luke Skywalker in uh, that second sequel series movie, Star Wars, where he, he <laughs> wipes the dust off his shoulder. That's the 3080? Yes. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's like that. Uh, it's pretty much exactly like that. Um, you know, you described the situation, the same sensation of like, oh, wow, I can run all these things fully cranked and you know, still get insane frame counts. Um, it's that, uh, but like, even with the brand new stuff that's coming out right now, um, as long as it's not like a, you know, a CPU bound game, um, like a, you know, like, like a certain open world titles, I won't mention by name. Okay. Then don't. Uh, watchdogs. Um, which to be fair, watchdogs runs fine on the 3080, uh, when you're not using ray tracing, it still runs okay with the ray tracing features. Um, and that's a game where like, it's okay if the performance is kind of dipping and kind of going all over the place. Cause it's, it's not competitive, so it doesn't matter. Um, but still like this thing just, like, I, I've just been shocked at what it can do. Like, you know, I was running control at ultra settings with all the ray tracing features on. Um, and with DLSS at like quality, I want to say, and and it was still getting like 120 frames a second at 1440p. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, that's a lot. I um, mean, for me, running that game at the same resolution uh, with the 2080 is was getting me like 80. Yeah, and and so that that tells you a lot, right, about the performance uh, gain from generation to generation. There, um, it's a beast, man. Like I'm, I am just pumped that that I finally got my hands on one, and like. I feel for like the, the supply constraint thing is nuts. And like the fact that people it's been three weeks since I got my card, I think uh, coming up on four and, and like it hasn't really improved that much. Like I see 37 is coming in stock all the time. It's been two months since the founder uh, edition came out. Right. And we're right. still we're two months away from launch. We're still in a position where it's almost impossible to get these cards still. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think supply constraints are just going to probably can, I mean, it's sure, clearly it's gotten better. Like I think the frequency of, of stock drops has increased, right? Mm-hmm. But demand just still is outstripping supply by such a massive margin that like, I don't think we're going to see this stabilize for probably another t- three months at least. Um, I mean, I say this just n- only speaking anecdotally, but yeah, I mean, I, I hope to get one myself. I, I mean, I, I'm definitely going to see some significant gains, even though I'm I'm making what can be considered an incremental change. 
I think. But it's still like a twenty percent performance increase. That's huge. It's huge. I mean, I think I think it's I think massive. a lot of people are are downplaying it. Maybe they are people like me who bought a twenty eighty Ti and are like, no, it's it's not that much. You know, they're they're putting their hand out. They're like, no, no, <clears> no, <throat> it's not that much. But they're just trying well, to fool themselves. It's it's all relative though, right? Because like the twenty eighty Ti is still a beast of a graphics card, right? Like, you know, you get incredible performance on that thing, and that was the gold standard until the thirty series was announced, and they they showed what it can do. And that's it's not that the twenty eighty Ti is a bad card, no. right? That card can still last you hypothetically several years before you would need to replace it, like probably you know another three at least, um, conceivably more. <laughs> But it's just the fact that the 30 series is such a massive leap over that generation is why it makes the 2080 Ti feel dated, yep. right? Yep. And it's not that it's just it's it's just this weird relative perception thing, and you know, it, it doesn't change the fact that yes, it would be a massive upgrade, but it's not like you're hurting for performance. It's this it's it's all like it's it creates like a weird cognitive dissonance because like you have a, an excellent piece of hardware in your machine it's just happens to have been outstripped by the next generation like so much more handily than the 20 series did to the 10 series right but what makes it difficult though is that the 2080 prices haven't changed and the 3080 prices right. are so much more attractive for all the right reasons <clears throat> and so there's right. no incentive to buy the previous version even for the sense of like oh well i can get similar performance or i can get a decent amount of performance there's no cost benefit to buying a 20 series not not at all unless you're buying it from someone who's trying to sell it for a 30 series and you know you can haggle your way to a decent price yeah like i'm i'm looking at one of the partner manufacturers websites right now and they're still selling 2080 supers for 729 which is the exact same price that you could buy a 3084. Like, why would you do this? Other than, except that, well, here's why you might do it. <laughs> um, you might do it if you're buying from EVGA specifically to enter their step-up queue to guarantee that you get yourself a 30 series card at some point in the next six months, right? Sure. Um, so availability is the only reason, right? If you're really hurting and if you really need something, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's an option. likely a situation where, you know, your 1080 goes out and it's like, well, I'm not going to buy another 1080. I want to get the next thing. So you buy this and then you go into the queue for the, for the one that you really want. Yeah, there's, there's reasons. And I don't think anybody's a bad person for buying a 2080 Ti as it is now or t- t- uh, 2080 Super or whatever. 20 series is still fine. It's just they're they cost way more than what you can get mm-hmm. a 30 series for. It's just the availability factor. Yeah. It is worth mentioning that I, I, I can't validate this for certain, but I, I believe, no. Yeah. NVIDIA has like, they have ended production of their 20 series cards. Like they're not making them anymore. And I don't think they're producing the chips. So at this point, like I believe any 20 series stock you can find new is just like stuff that the partners Leftovers, are trying to get rid yeah. of. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so good news <laughs> uh you won't even be able to buy one firsthand brand new for much longer anyway yeah so yeah i i hope to get one soon i'm i'm just as excited to get a 30 series as i was for a 20 series and i don't know i'm i'm big on performance and frame rates these days so like just the more the better sure. so i i'm really just wanting to eke out much more performance yeah on that note, though, you did manage to secure something 
that is also a coveted next generation purchase. Did I? I'm not. Did you? I'm not sure. I mean, like, so uh, on. So last week, uh, we had the release of the Xbox Series X and S, as well as the PlayStation Five, and uh, so Xbox was first on November 10th. PlayStation was on November 12th, and on November 12th, Walmart.com had four drops or four purchase times that you could go to their website and purchase a PlayStation 5, whether it be the digital only one or the one that comes with the disc disc drive. Um, I do physical media still, so I was going for the disc drive version, and so I jumped in the first queue didn't get a car or didn't get a card. I'm didn't get the PlayStation <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> they just immediately went out of stock, like within minutes. So when for the next time, the, the site was even more unresponsive and more problematic, went out of stock, didn't get, didn't get the system. Third drop, same thing, uh, just further decline in quality. And the fourth and final drop, um, I was at, this desk here on a browser trying it couldn't get through my wife was in the living room on her phone using the walmart app and was able to buy the playstation 5 uh which is awesome hot damn (laughs) that's extremely awesome but i don't have it yet i it it is not with me currently Right. Um, there is that minor issue. It, uh, the Walmart status right now for me is that they are uh, preparing shipment. And that's all the information okay. that I have. I don't have, I mean, they've taken my money, uh, which is great. That's, that's a good sign. That's a, that's a thing that means a lot of things uh, in a lot of different ways, but generally in the sense that you are secured in receiving this product that you are now paying for. Um, but it just hasn't shipped. It says it's going to be here by Thanksgiving, which is more and more likely to be true, uh, which is, I thought was maybe just a placeholder, um, and giving themselves time to, you know, actually process all of these orders. But I think really that's what it's going to come down to. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like they're maybe still trying to play some catch up. So I'm, I'm, I'm not really hopeful that like this thing is going to show up on Friday. Um, but I'm kind of hoping like early next week, like I don't think it's going to show up on Thanksgiving cause that's a holiday. So I don't think anything's going to happen that way. So I'm hoping like early next week it's going to show up. Um, so I can actually get a feel for a next generation console. I, uh, I'm currently not going to get an Xbox series X. We'll see if that changes, but I think my priority for a console is PlayStation five. And that actually was my priority. This last gen, I went with a PlayStation four first before getting an Xbox. Yep. Yeah. Well, and and now like with the way that Microsoft has transitioned over to being such a services heavy, uh, offering and making all of the Xbox exclusive stuff available on the PC as well. If you have a good gaming PC, there's not as much of a reason to own a new Xbox um, because and, and, and Microsoft doesn't really seem to care where you play it, right? They want to sell you the services and the games. Um, like, granted, the Series X hardware and the Series S hardware, to be fair, uh, look really impressive and they seem great. Um, but like, 
you've got a place to play that stuff if you have a PC already. So, you know, prioritizing a PlayStation 5 at launch makes a lot more sense, particularly because Sony is notorious for not bringing their exclusives uh, to the PC for the most part. Yeah, I mean, Horizon Zero Dawn is the only exception in recent memory uh, for this previous generation that I can think of that has actually made its way over to PC and it's now on Steam. Uh, I played the ever-loving shit out of that game. I got a platinum in it. Um, me and my wife actually kind of traded off on playing with it. Uh, so like she would do certain segments of the game and I would do kind of the more like intense moments of combat. Um, and it was a really fun way to play that game. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the reason why I'm also going PlayStation is like the first party games are like extremely well reviewed. They are always at the top of like everyone's game of the year list. And so uh, the problem that I ended up having with the PlayStation 4 was that it got really loud. I took that thing apart several mm. times. I cleaned out all the vents, the fans, everything. Never seemed to make a difference. Um, I just was never really comfortable. Like, I build PCs, but I was never really comfortable with getting to the point where I was going to replace the thermal paste on it and risk bricking it or some variation on that where I just, it wouldn't, it would be unusable. And, now it's at a point where it's almost unusable anyway because it overheats so quickly. So I ended up missing out on a lot of PlayStation 4 games that came out. Uh, the Last of Us Part Two, which I'm not particularly interested in myself, um, but it is a game that I missed out on. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima, uh, God of War, uh, the first Spider-Man game that came out. Like I've missed out on mm-hmm. every single one of those and I have kind of pretty much regretted it. Like I'm, I'm really kind of missing out. Uh, yeah. So the PlayStation five is going to kind of correct that for me in the sense that I'm going to be able to play backwards compatible games and I will be able to, uh, I actually have a copy of Spider-Man miles Morales. Uh, it's the ultimate edition. Excellent. So it comes with the remastered first game. So I will. Oh, that's awesome! So I'll be playing through the first game in the remastered uh, version. And I'll go through that first because uh, continuity-wise, that's the way you need to play uh, these games. You need to play the first one first, and this one second. Even though Miles Morales is a secondary story, uh, it it does take place after the events of, of that first game. So, got it. So, so there would be some story things that you would miss. Out yeah, on. yeah. Uh, so I'm really excited to get into that. Uh, that's where I'm going to start with. Um, after that, I'll probably get Ghost of Tsushima, God of War. Uh, those games have, they don't have PS5 versions, at least at this stage, but they do have Game Boost variants where what it does is it utilizes the PS5's hardware to increase the frame rate. So you can play, uh, you know, for instance, God of War, at 4K, but also at 60 frames per second instead of the 30 frames per second that it was previously locked to. Nice. So I'm just in this waiting game. I've got an extra controller. I've got a game that I can't play. You know, I'm just waiting for this thing to ship. Got it. Well, sooner or later, it's got to make its way to you. If nothing else, you've got a fancy controller you can put your hands all over. Yeah. <laughs> Get it all dirty because it's white. Mm, yeah decisions but yeah so i mean i i'm looking forward to playing these these games and like starting to talk about them because 
like it's got to be amusing for the people who have already played these games and know what these games are like and then hearing people's first time playing it like almost a year after they've come out yeah that is interesting so i i, I hope well, to especially when you, when you right yes <laughs> you've got some catching up to do so okay so here's the thing uh and i feel like you're going to be able to answer this in a way that i i'm hoping that you'll answer him but i also hope that you don't answer it in the same way uh should i <laughs> should i go oled should i should i make that upgrade oh geez uh is, is this because you know the the big five deal days are coming up is this why you're thinking about this yeah, well yes but also i've actually seen a couple of articles come out like oled like if you have a playstation 5 and an xbox series x you need to have an oled tv I mean, okay. So, so as someone who owns an LG 4k OLED display, um, I really love it and it's gorgeous and it's the most beautiful TV that I've ever put my eyes on, except for probably newer models of the same thing. But, um, I mean, yeah, stuff looks incredible on, on it. Um, games look incredible on it and I'm trying to think. I haven't actually had the opportunity to play much like 4K native stuff on it because despite owning an Xbox One X, like most things, uh, I, I tend to opt for like performance modes instead of fidelity modes when they're available. So like I played Forza at 4K, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, the 30 frames per second stuff just like makes me like makes my skin crawl, which is sad because it looks really pretty when it's, uh, when it's running at 30 and like native res. Right. Um, so like I've seen enough anecdotally to know that like 4k already looks fantastic consoles, I think, and games in general are like maybe better positioned to take advantage of what like OLED has to offer. Um, just because of the richness of the color mm -hmm. and the contrast ratios, um, because well, especially because HDR, yeah, HDR. Uh, but we're also getting into a point where some of these games are 4K 60, 4K 120. Right, exactly. So like now there's even like, I don't know. It's just there's less of an argument to be made. Um, well, so so the interesting thing though is that like OLED is like look hands down OLED is gorgeous and like if you're already in the market for getting a new TV, uh, and if there are deals to be had, I think it would be 100% worth plunking down the extra money to get an OLED set. Um, Samsung's QLEDs are also very good and they're comparable. Um, just, just as like a, as a side note, like it's the, the difference between those things is getting to be less, uh, cause they've, they've figured out how to produce really similar results without having to go full on OLED. Um, but it's not the same thing. Right. Uh, and, and I guess the, the point is that like HDR implementation in, in game consoles has been like, eh, at best, like, you know, I have Red Dead Redemption 2 on my Xbox and I've tried the HDR on the TV and it's not great. Um, like the early stabs at this are not good, but an OLED set kind of like you just, you don't need HDR okay. uh, to the same extent. Like, and that's not entirely accurate because they're not the same thing, right? No. High contrast ratio and being able to vary the actual brightness of the pixels they're not equivalent, but you can get really similar effects with really, uh, you know, with really rich colors and with a really good, um, and deep, 
black points on your screen. So look, man, like I'm biased. I think it's great. I, I would love to never buy another TV. That's not that again. (laughs) Um, I guess I, it would depend a lot on like how good your current TV is and how happy with it you are. And like, if it's a great picture anyway, like don't go out and buy a new TV just to buy one. Yeah. But if you're in the market, I'm not I'm really sure. in the market. I've got a, I've got a Sony Bravia. Um, it's an X 850 D for those curious. It's, it's a little bit older. I think it's like four years old now. It's fine. It's just led. And there are times where, I feel like the color isn't as good as it could be or should be, but um, I, like nothing is wrong with it. It's just, uh, you know, there's there's people just talking about OLED on a regular basis now, and they they go regularly on sale. So it's just like maybe maybe the price will I mean, be right to do it. They're definitely easier to get. You know, like they're they're more affordable. They're they're uh, more common. Um, they're like they're not like the reach purchase that they used to be so i think you know yeah if if you think you're gonna buy a new tv maybe do it all right well i mean i'm gonna keep an eye out for it but at least i know that it's like worthwhile to do it's not just like it's not like you you will not regret that purchase i can guarantee that you you are not going to have buyer's remorse over buying an oled tv all right that's that's really the thing i guess i needed to know yeah, no, there there will be there will be no part of you that says, ah oh, man, I I screwed up. I shouldn't have bought this incredible piece of technology. This <laughs> oh boy. Well, I am was, I'm the, was the was the impression like just too accurate? Did it, did it scare I was you? stunned. I thought I was talking to an actual nerd. Oh my gosh. What a terrifying prospect. <sighs> Surprise, you've been talking to me the whole time. Oh, no. A nerd. <laughs> Uh, speak. Ooh, ooh, boy. So we've done a lot. Of yeah, talking. I sighed because yeah, we've done a lot of talking. Uh, we've we've gone a lot longer than I think e- either one of us anticipated. Um, yes, but I I don't want to. I, hey, I don't want to promise episode, that it's going to be shorter next time. But I think we are going to try to curb this a little bit more for the next time and future episodes. But we'll see. We'll see how this does. Yeah. I think, I think we're, we're getting into our rhythm. You know, I think we'll, we'll find ways to optimize. Uh, my, my hope also is that this is not like a two hour plus marathon every time. Uh, cause like, I don't want to record for two hours every time. You probably don't either. And I don't think people have the patience for it, but Hey, this is our, our first run and we get to do what we want. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm, but you know, also it's like, we're excited about this whole thing and we have a lot of things that we've wanted to talk about and have been kind of sitting on so it's just there's like a bunch of built up topics and things that that i think for yes. next time will be uh, a lot cleaner to to go through indeed i think our our list will be much more svelte and uh well organized and concise so should be good tighter package yeah i feel that me all right i think on that note that that's going to do it for this week See you in seven years. Thank thank you so much for joining us on QuickSave. You can find me, Evan, on Twitter at EV underscore row. Scott, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, Savingcontent.com, as as it turns out, but also on Twitter at Hawk underscore S-E. That's fantastic. two places you'll find me. 
Fantastic. Uh, please remember to visit us at savingcontent.com for news and reviews. As Scott mentioned, uh, there's a bunch of reviews up on the site already for some of the things we've talked about and, and probably some more content going up this week. I guess I should uh, kind of toss in here that we've we've been a site since 2011. So it's not just a podcast that went dormant. The site has been going nonstop since 2011. And we've got a bunch. Can't stop, won't stop. A bunch of stuff. That's right. There's there's loads of content that has been saved on this website for your consumption and your pleasure. I like that. Did I do it? I like. Did I get it? It's pretty good. Can I? Do I get the job? Can I stay? Yeah. I'll I'll make you a producer. Yes. Finally. At last, this is what I've been waiting for. All right, folks. That's gonna do it for us. Until next time. You know what they say. Do you think anyone's ever going to figure out what they say?